Kia ora, So, uh, Pepe Ha is a um, introduction for somebody, um, and as Laura presented, this is the land where we are standing. This is more of the land where I came from. So. It would be where you came from in Ireland, or where you came from in China, or where you came from in South Korea, or where you came from in the US. Gotcha. So, uh, often it just starts with the Tena Koto Kato, which is greetings all. And so, Ko Aaraki Toko Moanga. So, that's Aaraki is my mountain, which has the, uh, the tallest mountain in, in New Zealand, the highest mountain in New Zealand. Ko Pacifica Toko Moana is my ocean or my sea. Uh, Ko Alexander Toko Waka is my ancestral boat, was the boat that in 1771 traveled from Scotland to Prince Edward Island. And then my great-great-grandfather, Ronald, Ronald McDonald, traveled from uh, Orwell Cove and Prince Edward Island to, to Australia, Ballarat, to look for gold and then to New Zealand. As called McDonald Toko Iwi, so I am claiming the McDonald clan as my tribe. And then called Clyde Central Otago, Toko Kurangi Waiwai is where I grew up, my home place where I was born. Here, Stama Aho e Noho Ana, that is where I live presently in Greensboro. Called Ben Dyson, Taku. Ina Gowa, Go is my name. Ko Gwen, Rua Ko Albi, Oku Matua, they're my parents. Ko Brennan, Rau, Ko Lili, Aku Tamariki are my children. Ko Lisa Toko Awa, Toko Maanga, again, the mountain. <laughs> my son. So, Kiora Tenekoto 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 Katoa. So, uh, just in terms of my positionality, uh, as you know, I'm a white middle class man. I'm the second youngest of nine. You know, I'm from Clyde Central Otago, where a little diversity existed. I was a former primary teacher and then science and health and physical education teacher at the middle school and high school. Uh, and then my experiences were in very diverse schools in Auckland, Roscommon Primary Manurewa, and De La Salle College in Māori. Uh, I have two Māori, uh, Māori brother-in-law, brother Māori, Māori sister-in-law. I have seven Māori nieces and nephews. I have a daughter who's Chinese. And then I have lived, uh, and I've been a resident alien, or the Japanese call us Gaijin, in uh, four different countries. So my bachelor degree, Otago University at Aotearoa, uh, masters at UVic, PhDI State, taught at McGill University, Montreal, where I met a lot of Mohawk Indians. So that was kind of interesting. One of my students actually was a Mohawk Indian and met him in a nightclub and he actually had a Mohawk. And I walked up to him and said hi, and my wife, Lisa, freaked out because you know it was late at night and wondering why am I shaking, you know, why am I saying hi to this guy who looks scary. So it's interesting, you know, 
it looks to me now. Um, and then uh, University of North uh, New Hampshire, and then University of Memphis, University of Auckland, and then five years in school teaching, 29 years in teacher ed and higher ed. And then uh, a lot of school-based research with my grad students for the masters and PhDs and still gonna be doing that going forward. So very excited about that. So I know you've read this paper and I've got some slides on it, um, but, and I'm gonna leave them up there on the canvas, but uh, really, you know, I could go through this, but I really want to see if any of you have any questions about it or about what Laura's done, because uh, I think that's more important than us, you know, me going through a slide presentation that you can read at a later date and help you uh, understand. But essentially, you know, the, the problems facing Māori education, like many other marginalised or uh, smaller groups in society, like the First Nations in, in uh, North America, uh, is this marginalisation uh, from the mainstream, huge rates of uh, suspension, uh, greater than the Pākehā. The Pākehā are the, are the, is, a, is a Māori name for white folk or people from Europe. Uh, and they leave school earlier with less formal education and a great number of them do not achieve, you know, 23% uh, and 35% of Māori boys and girls respectively achieve university entrance compared to 47 and 65% of non-Māori students in New Zealand. So you know, uh, although New Zealand has had reparation of land and uh, there are seven major Māori tribes in New Zealand and each of them have been given land and also uh, money, but you know, it's kind of a little bit too little too late. So there's still, you know, over 50% of the folks in prison are either Māori or Pacifica compared to uh, much smaller percentage of uh, European, of European uh, uh, ancestry. So, questions. Um, any questions about Kaupapa Māori particularly? Kaupapa Māori, and that article was presented as research, but really it is a perspective. And if you read through it, and uh, if you look at the different Programs like Te Kori Tahitanga, which is a example of that Bishop actually he ran that st uh, group study in schools, where trying to have the students become their own group within the school and work cooperatively to help each other learn was essentially so. They actually, there's a lot of cooperative learning tasks. So we met and talked quite a lot about that. Uh, and he uh, understood that because uh, a lot of the Pacifica nations, like my one of my one of my former master students, Tipifa Amalua, he was a former rugby player and he studied uh, voice of Pacifica men, and um, was going to do his PhD with me, but his uh, wife passed away and he was left with three kids under eight, so he, he's now still a father, but. Uh, for him, uh, a lot of what was done in the Samoan culture, uh, lava for my Samoan friends, that means hello in uh, Samoan, the, uh, the, 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 the students work in small groups. 
they operate in small groups to achieve uh, or complete tasks. So it's a very common practice. They've been doing that for years, way before Johnson Johnson ever figured that out, you know, right. in the 80s or whatever. Anyway, I've talked enough. Any thoughts on, do you have questions about Kaupapa Māori? I know it's kind of complex and a bit deep. And it took me a long time to read that, personally, hours that I re re have read and reread it since. And I've presented on it, but every time I present it, I learn something new from it because it's, uh, you know, it's not something you can just read once and gain a great understanding of it. But it's still on the, it's on the fringes, really, of, of New Zealand curriculum, is it? Or it's yes, well, it's located well, for certain. The, well, it, it is in the, on the fringes, but it, you know, a lot of uh, Māori, Indigenous, and Pacifica have their own lines of types of doing their research. Mm. But it's connected to, so before you do the research, you would go and talk to the community and the, the tribe, the iwi, the group, the kamatua, the leaders of the group, and get permission. And then uh, if you read the paper carefully, you, you notice that, you, you know, uh, the researcher never has, uh, never owns the, 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 uh, the data or the evidence. It's always, it's owned by the, the iwi or the tribe or the, the well, the ancestry, the papa. The WH is the, the F. Faka Papa uh, owns the the knowledge. Yeah. So the thing that is within the New Zealand curriculum that varies in terms of how it's delivered is uh, the Treaty of Waitangi. So last week was Treaty Day. Remember, we yes. I wished uh, uh, Dr. Richard Pringle from Australia a Happy Waitangi Day. Kia ora, mate. You know. Uh, Kapai Kai, which means I hope you had a good good amount of food to eat that day, because food is very much a part of how communities uh, communicate and work together. Uh, like the hangi, the earth oven, they cook together and then they eat together and then they share the, the, the bread the community is, has created. So um, the, the tree of Waitangi is in the New Zealand curriculum and is supposed to be one of the pillars of the curriculum but I think it varies depending on the school. Uh, a lot of schools uh, use uh, two languages, Māori and English. A lot of the, there is a kahikatea, which is a Māori um, curriculum mm -hmm. that parallels the New Zealand curriculum and has a lot of uh, similarities. And um, in physical health and physical education, we have this wonderful uh, focus, which is called Haora. And uh, if you read, uh, I've got a chapter that I actually should put it, that I wrote with uh, Dylan actually, and another guy from New Zealand, about the New Zealand uh, curriculum and uh, how it's operated. And a key part of that is uh, Haora, and so in our paper that we had published. So it's the, the fare, which is the house, is the center. And within the fare are the four walls. So that's the mental health, the spiritual health, the physical health, uh, and the mental health. And the floor is the political. And the floor is not covered, it is open. 
because the notion is that it, the political is shared by everybody, it's shared voice. And just like the woman uh, in the First Nations uh, hierarchy, if you looked from the outside, you would think it is a male-dominated um, culture, but on the, in, the, in the power and in the meeting house and in the decision-making, the woman uh, often are seen as uh, the voice of wisdom and listened to. So it's really, uh, I like the way Laura presented it because it really makes you think about, you know, all the, what we've brought into for our knowledge and we still are stuck in that. Uh, and uh, so it really, it, hopefully it gets you to think about your own epistemology, what you value is knowledge and your ontology, which is, uh, what you believe yourself and to be true and you know maybe another word for ontology in First Nations would be what settles with you yeah. do you know what that. I mean I loved that tonight the yeah. what settles with you you know and so obviously that is something different for everybody yeah you know uh, but uh, I thought it was very interesting and powerful her perspective and view and I think we're very fortunate that she's here. And I'm sort of a bit blown away by it, to be honest. I didn't expect that it would be that good. Personally, <laughs> I think it was very enlightening for me. Uh, but, you know, it yeah. so it you know, challenges us in many ways, I guess. So what is creative pedagogy or what is, I guess the class really should be called after today critical pedagogy because we're really thinking about this critically, I hope. Mm. And so that's why I started this course off with, uh, with Dylan and with Richard, but I did want you to see the PCK because that is mainstream academia. Right. And then now, you know, Laura stuff, stuff is a huge contrast to that. So it's kind of interesting to see those juxtaposed. Uh, and then, you know, coming up next is these communities of inquiry from Brazil. So uh, Louise is going to present something very different again, I hope. Uh, so questions about Kaupapa Māori or anything else in the course? Um, but you're okay? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I just think uh, when I read these papers, uh, I just... Uh, you know, to try to understand what is indigenous, indigenous pedagogy. Yes. So, right, what it really uh, is. Yeah. yeah, so I, from my understanding, it's all about trusting and building relationship with the students. Yes, it's so, a lot of it is that. Yeah, yes. so how to, yeah. how you know students, how you know their communities, how you know their families, yeah. that you try to build some knowledge that's relevant to their life or right. culture. Mm -hmm. yes. So, yeah, so... Think about PE in here mm. in USA. I just think, uh, mm. what are some practices, you know, mm. that relevant to US context mm -hmm. that can we infuse in PE classroom mm. that mm. reflect the indigenous pedagogy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a good question. Mm -hmm. So I mean, how can we evaluate the relevant context? How can we? You yeah. Know, 
So as we what we are doing the high need high need elementary school. Right. What are well we're trying to figure out what what might work there for the children, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they and we have to look at the community, but you know, just the parents in the community is just very difficult. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so at the moment we're putting it in the too hard basket. We we're trying to get grant funding so that we can start working in the school on a very holistic curriculum which is based on a lot on relationship and empathy and understanding and right. you're looking at with the social emotional development yeah and i would want it to push and be more than that right yeah. because um it, it feels like there's still an implication that what you're doing is just tr is uh, calling the relevance out as opposed to changing the way in which we value the knowledge and the way that the knowledge was produced, right? So that's been the big one mm -hmm. about this for me mm -hmm. is that we, um, it, it, it came back to this particular graphic today, mm -hmm. right? Because we absolutely decided that telling a story was not a valid way of, to present the knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. and. And yet that was so fundamental mm -hmm. to it that I think it's, I, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to use my words in a way that is meaningful, which is another, like the mm -hmm. language, right, mm -hmm. is another piece to this. But I do, I want it to be more than just, oh, I'm trying to bring in aspects of your culture, because there's the othering. It's your culture, not my, right? And how do we make this, how do we pluralize that into um, this community mm -hmm. and so there's the two eyes right the two seeing two two ways of seeing piece mm -hmm. again and then it's like until we it's like until we're able to do that for everyone I'm I'm wondering how often the othering will still well how, how long will the dominance still win mm -hmm. and so I, I my questions are more about um, at what point, how, well, I, yeah, how do I want to put this? So it, at what point am I sort of, sort of taking away from the knowledge and the process of a community and a culture that is not my own by bringing it into the classroom and making it and, and, and using it right at like who am I to use it is I think where I'm sitting mm -hmm. and so how does how does it become how, how can I make it relevant when it's not mine so no, no, like, yeah, no, I get, I get, I get it. Yeah. I'll try it. Well, I mean, well, it's also, you know, uh, that there are a lot of uh, folks who aren't of that culture that study that culture, like, you know, famously Margaret Mead. Right. You know, right. wasn't Pacifica, but it, she did actually discover and foreground many pieces from the culture that was valuable, but obviously she missed a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot, of, for example, there are a lot of Europeans in New Zealand studying Māori, uh, biculturalism, Māori culturalism, and they're not of those, those races. So uh, it is an ethical dilemma or a moral dilemma. 
but I guess the, the point is we're trying to improve the, the situation for kids in schools. Or, so uh, I think we have to somehow live uh, with our imperfection and as long as we are sincere in what we're doing. Agreed. The, but I guess we need some checks and balances because we might be sincere in what we're doing, but we could be doing what uh, the, the British did. <laughs> so <laughs> they then, were sincere in what they were doing too, right? So then the yes. whole checks and balances becomes an issue. Am I the British? No, no, no. I'm actually a white red-haired... What I was saying is you were... You're Irish. Right. Yes. yes. So, so it's a... Per and you, so, so you just had to speak all Irish, Irish then, But you were right? colonized. You, you yes. You know, the first Irish were slaves here. So they were yeah. uh, in America. And I'm, I'm always continuously... Right. My mind is continuously blown. Right. Oh, I can stand in a room and know more about colonization yeah. than American people can or do. And I do get very frustrated. Just right. taken aback when I'm in conversations with people, uh -huh. or in, especially in an American context, right. and they're... I suppose their experience. And not enlightened like Laura. Enlightened is the enlightened is the word. Because we weren't taught any of that. Know. I grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah. I'm yeah. a white girl from Massachusetts. Yeah. I can tell you about Paul Revere. Yeah. Yeah. I but now as a grown up, I can tell you really about Paul Revere. I can tell you that all kinds of made up stories, made up stories, yeah. because history went to the victor. It's that simple. True, but you know, I, I can I'll give an example. I had, a, I had an American student over in Ireland there at Christmas time. He's actually he's in, he's in college here on a Native American scholarship, but basically by his own account, wouldn't know a lot about his heritage or ancestry, but he managed to get the scholarship in high school. Huh. And I brought he stayed at my house for two days, which is in the west coast in Ireland, which is the large kind of fairly still a fairly antiquated area, antiquated, antiquated area area. Right. So we have ring forts that are over a thousand years old. We have, you know, like, so, it's, you know, he's, you, you couldn't understand how these castles, never seen a castle before, you know what I mean? Right. I was like, well, those castles aren't our castles, they were the colonizers' castles, uh -huh. but I can show you the, the original fort of the chief and whatever, and this kind of stuff are scattered around these areas and whatnot, uh -huh. and there's this big pile of rocks behind my house, and it's a giant, just like massive, we call them a carn, yes. and like mounds yeah. of yeah, stones yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was, what's the story with that? And I didn't really pay attention because I've had, I've been asked that loads of times. I said, yeah. well, there's a couple, I just kind of off the top of my head without questioning. And I just said, there's a couple of different reasons. I think there was a, the Connacht army, which is one of the provinces, defeated the Munster army there a couple of times ago. There was a, I think, was it some, uh, a tribal army defeated a giant monster and buried under it. There was another one I'd heard. Uh, and he's just there looking at me. And you know, I was like, might just be a pile of rocks as well. I said, I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, like, and again, the, I was able to feed into the idea of this was this represented something at some point in my time. But it, you know, it could be we're going back hundreds of thousand years, and he was just only trying to figure out why there a pile of rocks in the middle of the field. And right. you know, it's just the, the perspectives are I don't know. And again, coming from my background was where you know. In Ireland, I suppose, I mean, Ireland has been colonized for right. 700 years, but we still managed to maintain, we were fortunate enough that maybe we were so impoverished and have unnecessary use and resources to the colonizer that we managed to maintain a lot of our culture and heritage and identity. Right. Uh, and that it gives us a sense of purpose as well, too. I think, you know, I was trying to think of the word to mention Laura there, this idea of suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Ireland, suffering. there's yeah. there's an element of kind of suffering in an yep. Irish diaspora, and uh, mm -hmm. that's not as 
you know, you know, it's similar, but in, you know, in, in many cases, not extreme as what mm-hmm. Aboriginal uh, mm-hmm. Aboriginal uh, people would have uh, suffered, or Native American right. people would have suffered. But I remember ten years ago, even being in uh, a student exchange in a Native American English class, literature mm-hmm. class, and it was very much of the same. You were presenting the situation, and people in the class, their minds were blown. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, "But well, I kind of knew that." You know what I mean? I kind of knew that was the case. You know what I mean? Or right. And stuff and, yeah, yeah. I just, so I'd like to bring it, sorry, to, to long story short. Sure. No, it's no. okay. In New Zealand, is there this shift then back towards that type of, uh, you know, so you have, I suppose New Zealand is kind of unique insofar as it has such a unique uh, appreciation, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Aotearoa, New Zealand's had that uh, appreciation, uh, I guess, ahead of other nations, but there is still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's because of the, it's sort of, it's what Laura was talking about, but it's sort of, the, it's the mental health of the nation. And uh, she was talking about uh, generational trauma and it, you know, I, I can now s- relate to and see that with the African-American uh, students and people in the US, you know, why are more of them in prison? Why do more of them have drug problems? Why do more have alcohol? Why, and, and maybe, why is there more domestic violence? I don't know if there is or not, but there's definitely a lot more shootings, you know, interracial shootings. I don't know. I don't understand it. Uh, as well as I'd like, but uh, I think there's this, this sort of a thread running through all those um, groups with sort of the Aborigine of Australia for sure. And you can hear it in the words of, you know, uh, of Peter Garrett uh, from Midnight Oil. And, you, you know, uh, New Zealand, I think, is ahead of many nations, but uh, it's still... Uh, is racism and perhaps a growing racism uh, against Pacifica and Asian. And I noticed the Asian part because Lily, my daughter, is Chinese. So, yeah, it is in the curriculum. The Treaty Waitangi is in there. We have Haora. I mean, it, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And this, 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 pers- this pursuit then of this pursuit of uh, talk about perfection as such as well. well uh, I guess it's, it's, it's like, not a pursuit it, of perfection. No, 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 Moving no, towards no. equity or no, but, I, but, I, yeah, but yeah. in the face of that is this pursuit of the standard standardization is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying this is mm. perfection as such, but mm. in this pursuit, it seems it appears that in a lot of places it's driving edu- teachers or educators that are working with these types of people in communities backward, not, not backwards, but to turn back and say, well, what, well, where is it that these people have come from or what approaches was it right. that worked in these communities yes. before yes. they were torn asunder, yes. so to speak? Right. You know? What was working for hundreds and mm. thousands of years and now that was, you know, marginalized, destroyed, uh, Evaporated because of uh, the 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 Bloom's taxonomy or the industrial complex or 
the neoliberal agenda that we have to educate for the workforce, but what workforce they, the industrial workforce, you know, or whatever workforce we have now, you know. Uh, yet there is, there definitely is a move towards trying to understand. Uh, and I think Kaupapa Māori mm. perspective is an example of that. Yeah. yeah. So I had a favorite quote. I mean, I had lots of favorite quotes. I'm sure you did too, yeah, sure. out of this, the week, yeah, um, sure. the readings. But they one of my favorites was, and this is from the first chapter. Tan Tanaka. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, one of the good. students, I think, one of the pre-service teachers said, it's hard to create that ideal classroom without having experienced it yourself. Yes. So I guess my question mm -hmm. for all of us for mm -hmm. just a moment is, mm -hmm. can, we, can we play inside that? And so, sort of given where we are today mm -hmm. and backing up all the way to Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. yep. What's happening in that ideal classroom? What's the pedagogy? Mm -hmm. And and how, and, and, in, and in saying that, um, at the same time, what are, how are we going to do our bit, right, to do this, this push that you were talking about, right? This rise to the ideal, right? Well, no, no, right? I don't think but but that's what we'll the yield. But that's some, but that is what it is. I mean, cultural progress. study, you know, educational leadership and cultural studies. They're sitting on the cloud, dreaming about how it all could be, and that it's a hope that we will get there. The rest of us in teacher ed and mm -hmm. development and higher ed, we're wanting to bring that cloud down and say. Now what? Now what do you want me to do? Here's the way, here's, here's the ideal for any of them, for, you know, um, more inclusive classrooms, for pedagogical content knowledge, for indigenous practices, but where does, where does the rubber meet the road? So I guess I'm, I'm asking that we just sort of, if we kept time, I don't know if we do, to play for a minute inside that. So what, so for instance, I'm a middle school, um, you know, classroom teacher. Mm -hmm. What do I take away from this? that then becomes part of my classroom. What, do, what can I do? What can I put in the hands of my pre-service teachers on Friday? Pra pra pragmatically. Pragmatically. Yeah. Well, and you make me think of this slide here, which is that we're living, you know, we've lived in this deficit thinking, right. deficit knowledge, right. this pathology of mental health that's in each one of these, uh, groups that are being disadvantaged. And, and it occurs in every country, uh, unfortunately. And so where do we go from here? Uh, I mean, what do, what, do, what do we think? Yeah, and I'm not sure if I'm being misinterpreted as far as, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm pushing for an ideal. I just, I don't think that's the way we should be going. You know? Right, but you. But it's got to be better to, than this. But he, but he, I think you were trying right. to understand what's going on in New Zealand. So New Zealand is trying to understand what it was from the Maori culture, the kaupapa, the fa, mm -hmm. uh, the papa that we can learn and then use in our schools. So there are Maori immersion preschools mm -hmm. in schools, and there are Samoan immersion schools. You know that by a student of mine. To be Ma'alua, and he's on the board of one. His children go to one. His mother runs one. Um, so they try. There's an attempt to use some of those pedagogies or practices right. or histories 
or stories to learn. I mean, I think story was the word that came from uh, the power, you know, the, from Laura. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so is storytelling a pedagogical practice? Yes, I think so, for sure. And after listening right, after to Laura, listening tonight, more right? or so, but I mean, but you know, researchers have used narrative. I mean, right, so narrative yeah. inquiry, right? And so it's not, I mean, maybe, you know, some people have learned from that, you know. I, okay. Collective storytelling, you did that. Yeah, collective, collective story, story from last, telling from last yeah, week. Are you know, you're actually fighting, uh, fighting the side, you know what I mean? You're fighting. Damn right. Not you or we or the other. We are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, oh, yeah, we are. Yes. For sure. Yeah. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Okay, what do you mean way. by that? <laughs> explain what well, you mean by fighting the time. Like, this is the way these, like, I mean, these are the way these education systems are being run. Inter- I, not yeah, just against the, inter- the international. Yeah, against the tide or against the current. No, yeah. but that is the current, so to yes. speak. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting against this and stuff. And, you know, yeah. uh, this, believe it or not, has been going on for a very yeah. long time. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't have any solutions. Or I don't have any immediate silver bullets, otherwise yeah. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe that there has to be some element of, um, of, of a realisation, I suppose, as well, and particularly for teachers, too, in the face of all this, is that ultimately, I mean, John, Lennon, John Lennon would have said, his life is what happens when you're making other plans. So what I'm worried about what these students are going to be doing in five and ten years' time, mm-hmm. I should really be worried about what they're doing and what they're thinking and learning right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. The rest of that will take care of itself Agreed. when it gets yeah. to itself. And again, it yeah. comes back to a lot of the work mm-hmm. that, that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we've been, uh, I suppose, like, I think I mentioned that when George Graham was in, mm-hmm. his ed is, to me, is one of the, ver- one of the last outposts Mm-hmm. Uh, remaining in a lot of places where there's a real opportunity mm-hmm. to embed some holistic mm-hmm. uh, pedagogy yes. and yes. Ped practices yeah. uh, against this backdrop of a high stakes uh, right. accountability. Right. Um, but we're not, that's not what the people we're, right. we're, not taking, we're not taking yeah, advantage. Yeah, the penny hasn't dropped and yeah. we haven't right. figured out a way that we can make that work within this. And, you know, it's, sudden, it's, it's of, of no worth so to speak. So how do you make what you're doing? Yes. How do you make your teaching right. or what is it, or your worthwhile mm-hmm. to the people that, uh, that are in front, that of, are in front you. of you? Yeah? Right. I mean, it goes back to my comment last week I, um, to yeah. Richard Pringle, which was that I, I really wasn't trying to call him out, yeah. but this was a beautiful story that needed to get told to practitioners. And so, I mean, I guess I'm wrestling with What's the point of being a researcher in education if what I do can't get used by the people who are still out doing it? What if one person uses it? That's all I need. Good. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. And it and it and and one once one time. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but how are we making that happen? Mm-hmm. Is my question. And how are we? Are we? You know, if you can't, if you haven't experienced the ideal classroom yourself. How are you going to create it? Who has? I don't know. Yeah. That's, an, don't that's like another the, question. I, yeah, I don't like this with, I mean, even Dylan asking that question is, what yeah. the idea? Right. I have a perfect classroom. I said, I don't yeah. know, because it's never happened. Yeah. I've had 30 kids. You know yeah. what I mean? I might have had, you know, people coming out in a good mood, stuff like that, yeah. but I don't, you know, I'm going to talk to you about this <laughs> Shangri-La disposition and stuff. Yes. But I'm not and, certain that yeah. ideal is Shangri-La. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that what I'm willing to do is sit inside the tension 
of what happens every day in class. And I think that the reason that we, that we think that ideal means Shangri-La is because that's easy. And, and it's easy to just fall back on what's been done to me. And then the only thing I, I, I ever saw, and so I'm going to just fall back on that instead of pushing on all of these um, ideas that we, that are now coming, well, it feels like they're not now because we're in it, but they have been around and, and yet we're still talking about the same things over and over again. Yeah, what I mean, you have standards, uh, yeah, I mean, you have standardization that's going to stop, but I mean, I mean, I can give an example maybe of mm -hmm. uh, my undergraduate, I was with a group of students and my placement as a teacher, and my objective was to try and make the physical education, what they were doing in their physical education classes, of some worth to them yeah. and meaning. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, we had a key curriculum where it was all the multi-sports activity model which you would have seen which was generally basketball and this kind of stuff or whatever and then we looked at them and kind of figured out what like what no I mean not, not everyone was enjoying this it was 24 kids in the class mixed classes uh, and then we started to think about well what could we do that's worthwhile and Deborah Tallon who was my yeah. supervisor at the time and stuff and we talked to kids and, like, well, and one kid just said well I'd never cycled a bike and I was like really and he's like, yeah, I've never, and next thing, three or four more people in the room went, yeah, I, she's like, I don't cycle a bike at all. And like, he's like, well, where do you live? Like, and they're like, oh, just about 10 minute walk from whatever school there or whatever, like, and stuff. I was like, you know, you probably get quicker on a bike. He's like, yeah, I never thought about that though. And, but anyway, so sorry, to try to plow this on is that we basically, we were fortunate that we were in a position to do it, <laughs> but we scrapped what we were doing in PE. And for five, for four weeks, we actually just did a cycling program. And the first day I did it, seven people turned up with bikes. So I had seven people with bikes, and then I had another 16 people or whatever that didn't have bikes or forgot their bikes or didn't want to get on their bikes. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but we had seven people, and we went out for a cycle around, and they were, just took it all in, and you know what I mean? And we had to, I had to teach them, like, you know, you can't just go past the stop sign. You can't just zip in between cars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we actually ended up um, we were looking to get some funding from the sports partnership, sports partnership with other sports partnership. Uh, and we got actual to hire out bikes. Right. And then suddenly we had 24 kids and using the cycle lanes around the schools within mm -hmm. four weeks uh, in around the area, how to approach a roundabout, how to go around right. it. They were on high-vis vests. They had helmets. At the end, they were, able, they were able to keep the helmets as well too. Wow. You know, but they had to obviously get their own bikes. Right. Now, at the end of it, I'd imagine maybe five kids probably used the bike. You know what I mean? Or I, I, don't, I don't, don't have sleeper effects on this and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, you have... Right. You, you see what's in front of you. Right. You try and, as a teacher, I think, you try and read between the lines a little yes. bit. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, oh. that's a very delicate and, and fine-natured fine thing to do. How far does it go when you suddenly go, ah, listen, don't, this isn't important anymore, when it still is, because they have to still get by in life and get that GPA or that thing they had, and that's what they recognize as their value and their worth. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to balance it, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. there's actually a kind of pedagogy called place-based pedagogy. Mm -hmm which talks about pedagogy in the place you are at. So, or, so for example, instead of uh, doing something really unusual, uh, one, one group where we were would go to use the ocean because the ocean's nearby and it's not only in Auckland, New Zealand, there's always an ocean within 10 minutes. So you would get, you can learn so many things in terms of sailing or kayaking or seashore study um, so uh, 
or just creating a um, you know orienteering course in your right. in your we did it. We did it at an Epsom campus where where we were teaching. Mm. So tried to give them an example of this is what you could do at the school you're at, and then there's all mm. that those notions or ideas of you know integrated curriculum that you could mm. add to that. So um, and I think that's one of the things Dylan was talking about. Also, he said, you know, if you're in Switzerland, you're going to be teaching skiing yes. and skating, or in Canada, you're going to be doing ice skating because there's a lot of ice around. So right. you'd be silly not to, you know, you know. Uh, and in China, there's the of China skating. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the region you're in China. So, you know, but obviously, there's a huge interest in in different activities in different locations mm. in korea I, I don't know you know you would know but isn't it so like isn't like tim fletcher and yeah, colin like meaningful yes. physical education yes like i'm not sure if you have a mathematics gender right? yes yeah. like like meaningful mathematics absolutely is, yes. that, is that a is that a concept or a term or well yeah in inside of you know sort of finding their interest right i mean it was the same kind of thing of you asking about you know the, yeah. finding out that they they hadn't been yeah. cycling right it would be like um us asking about a global a global problem that they cared about mm -hmm. and then wrapping the math around that global problem so if they're interested in the water crisis or they're interested in global warming or they're interested in anything then we wrap the math around that particular topic i mean it i guess it feels like what both of you just said is 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 creative pedagogy in the moment yes. and that's and that's what i guess I, right and so i guess that's what i'm after i guess i'm really just after that broader piece you. is that how do we get how do we get pre-service teachers to mm -hmm. think globally about creative pedagogy and in in hmm. in yeah, instead of here's a, you know, constructivist way to look at things. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but it's sort, of, sort of like almost like act locally, but think globally. Yes. So you're using whatever, uh, you know, like one, one thing I learned when I was a student years ago was to make use of, of available resources. So right. what are the resources? But the problem is you don't, that's not, the, the, the problem is we don't actually look for what are the resources for the community and then make full advantage of whatever resources are in there. Okay. So whether it's biking or whether it's uh, ice skating or whether it's, uh, you know, just using a path to go on a hike and understand the nature. I mean, the, the kids up at Moss Street, partnership school they're rural kids but they they don't they don't know about their environment mm -hmm. so in the articles from Laura uh, it's talking about you know understanding the environment where you live and uh, taking full advantage of that and you know the mat weaving which is a big thing in New Zealand you know weaving weaving baskets and weaving mats and weaving clothes from flax was a tradition that is uh, still done today. And making a ball, a uh, uh, kirahi ball is a ball made from flax. So mm -hmm. it's a ball they use in, the ga in a game. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and it was interesting that uh, the chapter said that the grasses used to be longer. Yeah. 
and now they're mm-hmm. shorter and so you know sorry no shit sherlock you know <laughs> right. that's going to happen when you deplete an environment right. isn't it yes uh, yeah. so uh i guess the trick is that you know like the cherokee losing their their power, power through the translation we have to be very careful that doesn't happen in other ways that we're not aware already right. but also um, you know, there has been a big call in New Zealand to bring an understanding of uh, Tureo, T-R-E-O, T-E-R-E-O, but it's not pronounced T, it's pronounced Te, or like Te-Roa. So uh, Te-Roa is the language, mm. and to learn it, and so, you know, I did a 10-week course on that, on Tureo, Tureo, uh, before I left Auckland, which was fantastic, and that's where I learned my pipiya, you know, mm-hmm. and my uh, mihi mihi. That I mean, that, that's I mean, uh, it's well and good. Yes, and, and, and it is, and that's great, and it's I very agree. novel. I think. Yeah, it it's is. It's not a way of being, though. At the end of the day, then I mean, even these like say our, no, our instruction it's models, not a, it's, so it's not a way of being. They're not way no. of beings. They're no. solutions to the yeah. They're they're antithesis almost to the, the the way we where we are, and this is how we try right. and. Fighting this. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah but at, le- at least I think, and you know, it, I agree. It's not a, it's not a solution. It, there, we have these endemic problem, generational trauma that exists, that and reparations that were not. You know, the African American people in the U.S. have not been reparated for the all that, all the, all the, all the native First Nations. And we are we are not uh, getting even close to what we should be, but at least by learning some of the language, you gain a, a smaller appreciation. Yeah. So I guess you ask what the solution is, and I think perhaps one of the ways of looking at it is that we have to make small steps, whatever they are, yeah. in our own context or environment. Agreed. So what were you going to say? You, you no, yeah, I mean, I, I, think we're, I think we're all kind of agreeing with each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we are. Yeah, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm trying to yeah, think through it. He's a bit hostile here. No, 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 no. I'm just yeah. thinking through it uh, for myself. You know, but I mean, even there now, I mean, this democracy class at the moment yesterday, we were talking about Deweyism or do being Dewey. Uh-huh. Dewey would have said about it, uh-huh. like, I mean, it's a, he would say democracy is a way of being, a conjoined way of being group. Now, obviously, right. that's the... The, the notion of the the idea, like, that's right, that's idea, the cloud. Idea, that's one idea yeah. of interpretation yeah. of it. Yeah. But ultimately, I mean, Dewey would himself would have said, We're never, it's never going to be right. We're never actually going to get there. Constantly yes. recycling it and attacking it and con- con- struggling with it and yeah. conflicting yes. with it yeah. and right. messing it up. Right. Yeah. That you can continue to make it better and it's right. never a means or an end in right. and of itself. And that requires a critical reflection yeah. that we've, yes. we've talked about. But also, and a, lot, a lot of work that comes down to teachers is how, how well you're happy to live with it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? How do, how yes. do you live with the work you do? And I suppose right. I always yes. had that flexibility as a phys ed no, teacher. I agree. Yeah. So I taught phys ed in English yeah. and I would have been a very open kind of even more so than the norm in Ireland anyway in terms of the way I taught English would have been very kind of make sense of I would try and get the students to make sense of it as much as I would like you know if there was texts or poems or this kind of stuff in literature Uh, and ultimately the the examinations were standardised tests based on Shakespeare and this kind of stuff and and then you would struggle with that and then you would have parents coming in and saying well 
he didn't get it, he's not going to do well in this and how come the other teacher is using this text and <laughs> correcting right. their essays and, and you've only asked them just to write an essay off a personal experience and you know then you have to you know the question becomes can you live with it can your school live with it right can your do you know what i mean can, yes. can, no. can parents live with it ultimately you know sure. yep. yep we hear you i do uh, yeah and it's like i mean if you're in the fortunate position where you uh and i think there was another person is at michael fielding who anyway he did a lot of work with uh frameworks of the democratic fellowship in schools, how schools can become progressive schools, <laughs> so to speak, uh, in the UK. Uh, and again, a pretty he's an abstract thinker and a lot of what he said right. never, never actually put in practice. Right. He did say one thing always, and I mean, the advice to any teacher is choose your schools wisely. Oh, absolutely. Now, people aren't allowed to do that. People don't have that luxury of being able to choose their school, particularly when students aren't, don't have the luxury of choosing their yes. schools wisely. And neither do teachers as such a lot of the time yeah. too. And suddenly, if you're shoehorned into a place where you, you know, you, you mean you don't just buy a, 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 a random car a lot of time. I don't know. I mean, that's a wrong analogy anyway. But, I, but yeah. you know, uh, you have to find the fit that's right for you, I suppose, as well. You do. Unfortunately, people have lives, families, jobs, well, kids, this well, kind of but, stuff. Yeah, you know. And some people are fortunate to find that yeah. fit. Yeah. Many people are not. Yeah. Just funny because I would I often tell my students that mobility is actually one of the only perks we have as educators, and so if the fit isn't right, mm -hmm. at least in this state, I can't speak about other states, but in North Carolina, uh -huh. if the fit isn't right and you are in fact a certified teacher, then mobility is one of the only thing, the only playing cards you have. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to walk up to the principal and say, "Wow, this just really isn't my fit." And I'm going to start looking for a place that's a better fit for me because you need someone who fits better than I do. And, and maybe I'm wrong about that, yeah. but. Right. I, and Kathy Hayton was in the democracy class last night talking yeah. about her telling us like we're all writing essays and people were, the teachers were genuinely concerned just looking for yeah. feedback. So she's like, your essays don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's not a big deal. And if you're all classes, going to be fine and stuff like that. And I just interjected and I was like, it's all teachers in the room. Yeah. I was like, I, you, you, do you realize that. by our nature, that we do care, I said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. It's in our nature to well, care. Because we, yeah. we, well, because yeah. you've been uh, socialized. Right, we've been yeah. conditioned for that. Into yeah. caring, yeah. yeah. Right. And where's my grade? And how, right. do, but, uh, how do I get an I A? I think you're, the, you hit on something yeah. really important, which was uh, that we do have to live within this, uh, uh, us around the table, we have to live within that uh, framework that it isn't perfect. And we are not going to be happy content all the time with our decisions well you know maybe if we can chip away in a progressive manner uh with small steps then we'll, we will get closer to improving what at least improving one thing in one school in one right. class right. at a time yes and uh not to say that the next day when you do the exact same thing it'll crash correct yeah. and then you have to live within that and that's the stuff that killed yeah. me the most with Richard and Dylan's stuff is the nihilism of it. The kind of, what's the point, really? You know what I mean? Or, like, there's, there was almost an element. Richard, Richard Pringle Richard said, it, yeah, yeah, Richard said, I don't think it's going to change. Right. right. And, and there was this really... Well, this, this, but, you know, that, that, that is, I mean, that is what I lived with in New Zealand uh, for the last, uh, for the, the eight and a half years I was there. That there we, it's a social critical curriculum, social critical perspective and research, and um, there's a lot of critique 
of what's going on, but there aren't solutions and the group that I worked with didn't think they needed to provide the solutions. And I was always concerned that, yeah, we do need as servicing. We want to move somewhere forward so you can feel better about what we're doing. And obviously you do and what you're saying, and I'm sure Shinyun and, and Eddie feel the same way as well. Uh, the nature of that kind of work is personal. You know, you would, you, you, but you, it is you, personal. You, you would spend, yes. a, you would spend an personal. entire career in one school yeah. in one classroom. Yes. Right. If you're yes. doing, if you have a pedagogy yes. that you implement, you could. You're gonna like to, to really examine it and tease yes. it out. It has well, to be done in a school, one yeah. school, and yeah. you might only well, improve one school. Possibly, you know? but you know, and that's maybe one of the problems with this uh, industrial complex research machine. Everyone's trying to scale everything up. Right. That's what's fundable. What can be scaled up so that we can, right. you know, do it in every place? And maybe in reality, you're correct uh, that it's one school, but it's not just the school, it's the parents and it's community right. as well. And, you know, uh, I mean, uh, ideally, Moss Street Partnership School should be that school for us. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if uh, you know, everything aligns, but it, it may not be. So, you know. so you, you've seven different disciplines drag pulling a dragon over months. Yep. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. Right, it is. So, I mean, was it ENC or pulling out of it? I mean, and just people are, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And everyone, everyone wants, everyone's doing it from a good, Agreed. everyone's doing it for the good, but is it really what's relevant or right? You know what I mean? Is it really what's or, necessary or, or what's, needed? What's best for the yeah. kids? What's needed in the sure. parents. And actually Tina Chestnut. Tina, yep. Was in my class. Oh, okay. And she was talking, and she eventually, oh, she, just, she eventually just threw the pen down. A wonderful character, really colourful. Put yeah. the pen down, and she gave this outstanding story about her kid that came into her office today that had bed bugs. Right. And the, the kid just said, "Oh yeah, we, yeah, we had the bed bugs, but I don't know where they came out. They were at home in the house, and they've been all over my bed and stuff. And the child is just explaining the story to her. You know what I mean? And then the mother, and then the child's like, "Yeah, we don't have water at the moment uh, because the landlord, I think, could go and give my mother the water." You know, cut off the water, the expression, right. you know, they're, they're going to use this kind of stuff. And well, But don't tell her I told you any of this because she had to go speak to the mother after that and stuff. And then, like, yeah. Tina just simply goes, that's my priority right now. Right. And that's my thing. I don't care if that child, who am I to care about? Uh, and these weren't her exact words, but yeah. she's like, who's to compare about his report card when he can't sleep at night because there's bugs exactly. and he's got water. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it was not, I mean, Heard that the, 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 the leader of the class couldn't answer the question, just kind of goes, Oh, well, that's I mean, obviously, these are the questions we have to ask. That's because you're in an ELC course, well, well, isn't it? Well, it's an ELC course, right? Yeah, that's yeah. why. Well, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think sorry, this was we had to challenge it's that, we had to challenge it's that clash yeah. between the yes, actual, it is the reality and yeah. uh, the theoretical, and the theoretical, agree. and the, the practice theory gap, however, you see it in small yeah. dimensions, yeah, yeah. But then it goes yeah. back to your one classroom, one school, one change, right? And so one change at a time. One change at a time, and wouldn't it be Great. beneficial yep. to us? It's going to be beneficial for somebody to figure out how to help that teacher with or that principal, whoever it was, the, yep. the bed bug story. Yep. Yep. You're right. That's what's in front of you. This be damned, right? And we can we can figure out what's going on there and do what's best for what the kids that are in front of us. That's, and so how do we build that toolkit is where my head is for oh, your students, for my students, for students. my middle school pre-service, right? right? How do I build the toolkit that yeah. says, no, 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 let's blur these lines between these pedagogies so that you can pull from what you need 
in a way that it then allows you to work with what's in front of you yeah. and and gives you the spine to stand there and say who cares about this kid's report card when there's no water and there's no this and there's or no, no that breakfast. or no and right no breakfast huge Again, thing here in Greensboro. Yeah. So so, we could go on forever no we could but uh you know uh, yes. but i think we are all valuing the the pedagogy sort of the yes. place. Yes. I mean these yes. Maori's indigenous pedagogies yes. are ped pedagogies of place. It is. It is. And they've been contextually yeah. of found. the land. Yeah. yeah. Right. The same with the Aborigine and also obviously the uh, First Nations here. Yes. But it's and so it always to me it seems in this class we should end with uh, the notion of it's a process and really that process is all about the pedagogy. Yeah. As you've just said. So uh, I don't know. I hope we're in the right direction. But let's sign off for now. Kia ora, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, and we're out of here.